0: How exciting I bet you're all really enjoying not putting chairs away and um, not doing all the PA in and out every time it's fantastic um, and I forgot I'm out of the habit I'm out of the Swinton habit it's the first Sunday in the month so it's food today as well so that's exciting isn't it I hope everyone's going to stay and join us we'll just make it stretch presumably because I didn't bring anything either so um, I'm hoping that there's there's plenty to go around Okay, so we're going to look at the book of Acts together. So if you've got a Bible or something you can read a Bible on, Acts chapter 2 and from verse 36 Acts chapter 2 from verse 36 until the end of the chapter. So the context here is Peter is preaching. Um there Holy Spirit has been poured out at Pentecost and people were speaking in tongues and declaring the praises of God and some of the crowds were confused and they thought these people are drunk so Peter was like no they're not drunk this is actually what God's always promised that he'd pour out his spirit on his people and then he gives them a, a message about how God's been working throughout all of biblical history to bring them to this moment where he pours out his spirit on them and to tell them who Jesus really is and so the kind of the climax of that That message that Peter preaches is here in verse 36, and it's where we'll pick up um, the story. Peter says, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent, repent And those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's an amazing passage of scripture Peter has been preaching who Jesus is and and he gets to this point where he says he's both Lord and Messiah. What he's saying there is he's, he's the ruler of everything, he's the king of kings, he's the Lord of lords, he's in charge of the whole universe but he's also the one whom God has always promised would come and save us, would come and save us from our sins, would and save us from going our own way and doing our own thing and living our life without God that he would make a way for us just as we've been singing about together this morning that he would make a way for us to be restored in relationship with God to know him again as our father to to, instead of being enemies of God to be welcomed into the presence of God he's our Lord and he's our Messiah Jesus gave his death, he was crucified, he, he paid the price for our rejection of God and he rose from the dead so that we could be restored in relationship with God, so that we could live forever in relationship with God. It's amazing news, it's a wonderful uh, message that Peter's preaching and, and, and what he says is that it's all in God's plan to pour out himself, to pour out his spirit on all people so that all people can know what it is to have this relationship with God and to live a life in part with God. To live a life full of God, doing the things of God, making the kind of difference in our world that God wants us to make, to see our world transformed. It's an amazing message that Peter's been preaching. And the people, as they listen to Peter, it says they're cut to the heart. They have a response. They, they, they know there's something that they need to do. They can't just hear this amazing news, this amazing story of who Jesus is and everything he's made possible. They can't just witness what God is doing in putting out his Holy Spirit and just kind of like, oh yes, that's interesting. But actually, no, they're cut to the heart. There's something going on inside of them. There's a response and they know, they know that there's something they've got to do. They just don't know what it is. And so they say, what should we do? And Peter replies and he says, you need to be baptised. Because when you get baptised, you're like identifying yourself, you're entering into the death and the resurrection of Jesus you're saying actually I want this to take effect in my life I don't just want it to be theoretical about someone else who died once and rose again but actually I want that to take place in my life I want to enter into the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus I want to be born again I want to start a new life in him I want to live in his life and so those who believe they were baptised and Peter says and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and that's what happened. They were filled with the Holy Spirit themselves. But then it says this in verse 42. And so often we separate verse 42 from the bit that goes before, especially if like me, you've got in your Bible a new little heading just before 42. And there's like a little gap in the text. And, and, and we feel like we've on to something new but in the original bible that little gap wasn't there and those little headings weren't there and sometimes those gaps and those headings they help us don't they they help us to to separate the the bible up into manageable chunks but sometimes we miss the connection because they're there. but there's no break between what's going on with this amazing preaching of the gospel and people responding and being filled with the spirit and the devotion that follows in verse 42 the devotion that follows in verse 42 is exactly because they've heard this amazing gospel and they've responded and they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And now because they've heard the gospel and they've been cut to the heart and and they want to respond and they're full of the Holy Spirit, it says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And so it goes on. The gospel produces a devotion. If we really understand what Jesus has done for us, if we really take the time to ponder, to reflect, and to consider, if we allow ourselves to be amazed again, by the beauty of the gospel, that the God who has always loved us, but who has been consistently and persistently rejected by us as humanity, the God who's always loved us, who created to live in the beauty of his presence in a perfectly ordered world that reflects who he is, as a loving and glorious creator, and yet consistently he's seen us reject his ways and go against his ways and choose to do things our own way and make a mess of our world, and he sees us filling our world with corruption and injustice and darkness and evil, and yet he refuses to give up on us. He loves us so much that he consistently comes after us. And this is expressed so perfectly in the setting of himself in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And he takes all of our sin and our rejection, all of humanity's failures, all of humanity's wickedness, he takes all of it upon himself and he dies. And three days later, he rises from the that he might defeat all of sin and death's power and set us free to live a new life with him the gospel is amazing the gospel is amazing that God would make this available to you and to me that he would say that he knew you before the creation of the world and that he had you in mind along with everyone else and along with me too but he had you in mind And he gave himself for you so that you could be restored to a relationship with him. And this gospel is supposed to produce a devotion in our hearts. Just think about that word devoted for a moment. What does it mean? What does it mean to be devoted to something? When it says they devoted themselves, it's not saying that when they had time, you know, when it suited them, when they were feeling a bit lonely... They decided to go to Connect Group. Or when they were when they were really stuck and really desperate and had nothing to eat, they decided to pray. Or, you know, when 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 they realized that they didn't have the answers for themselves and that and they and they needed some direction, then they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. No. Devotion doesn't look like when I've got the time or when I'm desperate or when a devotion is a constant giving of yourself. To something when you're devoted to someone we use it sometimes in that context don't we we say well that person's devoted to them it's like they've got an obsession that's what we're supposed to be like our response to the gospel should be such that we're obsessed with jesus we're devoted it's like a constant readiness it's like we won't allow anything else to get in the way of that commitment Such is our commitment that we're saying this thing is such a priority for me that I refuse to allow it to be crowded out by other things. I will devote myself. There's a dedication. There's a readiness. There's being set apart. And so we're just going to focus this morning on one of those things that they devoted themselves to. They devoted themselves to fellowship. So what does that mean? They devoted themselves to fellowship. They refused to ever miss the tea and coffee after the meeting. Is that what it means? Is that what scripture is saying here? They never missed the bring and share meal, but they always stayed behind and they always brought something too. They devoted themselves. The the Greek word is, I don't know how to pronounce it in Greek, but koinonia. It, It literally does mean sharing. Sharing. I was thinking about this sharing. You know, it's something that we kind of naturally find difficult right from our earliest days, isn't it? Um, you ever you know seen a child... It doesn't normally seem to come naturally to share their toys with other children, does it? It's, it's something that has seems to always be a bit of a battle for us to share things um, with one another. I was thinking about this. You know, it's biblical, this whole sharing thing. I was thinking about, you know, things that I enjoy. I I don't know how many of you have this, and maybe husbands and wives can particularly relate to this, or maybe you've got a friend that you hang out with, and you can apply this there too. But you know, like when you order things, and and you're like, you want a full portion. I, I think the guys might be... You want a full portion of chips. If you only wanted half a portion of chips, you would order a half portion of chips. But you want a full portion. That's why it's a portion. It's all for me. And then it's like, you know, Judith will think, no, I don't need to order any chips because I'll just have some of yours. She wants fellowship. She wants fellowship. This is not the kind of fellowship that I want to have. You know, it's different when it comes to Maltesers. When she's got a box of Maltesers, she doesn't want fellowship anymore. But if that's all it means, if it just means sharing in the kind of share a portion of chips or share a box of Maltesers, I'm not sure that's the kind of devotion that the scripture is talking to us about. It does go on to say, doesn't it, that they were filled with awe uh, at the many wonders and signs that were performed by the apostles. And then it says in verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. In chapter four and verse 32, it says all the believers were one in heart and mind And no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Now, this is interesting because sometimes people think, well, this is saying that all the believers shouldn't own anything and we should all just live in a big commune. But what's interesting is it does say from time to time people sold things that they owned. Well, if that happened from time to time, then they couldn't have sold everything they owned right at the start, could they? Um, So people still owned things. But the point was, when there was a need, they didn't say, well, no, this is mine. But when there was a need, they so bound up was their kind of purpose and identity together, that they owned a sense of we're in this together. We've got a common purpose. We've got everything in common. What have we got in common? What have we got in common? Our response to this amazing gospel. We're all responding to this amazing gospel and so devoted are we to this life that Jesus has called us to that actually we, we're all pursuing that together. We're all owning together. This is something that we're all going after together. And so they had a common purpose and their lives became interwoven with one another. They were living a shared life. But why? See, sometimes we think of fellowship and unity as as kind of like things that we're called to create. It's like a Christian ideal and we're called to pursue that. I want to suggest to us this morning that we're kind of thinking about it the wrong way around, because it's not us who creates fellowship or unity. Actually, what the scripture calls us to do is to maintain the unity and the fellowship that God has created in Christ. So I want to help us to look at that a little bit together. John chapter 17. John chapter 17 and verse 20 says this. This is Jesus praying um, to his father. And he's just been praying for his disciples. And then he says this in verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message When Jesus prays for our unity, he prays first and foremost for our unity with him. He says, I pray that they may be one, even as we are one, me and you, Father, you and me, also may they be in us. And then he says, may I be in them. It's an interesting thought, this, So often when we think about becoming a Christian, we think in terms of inviting Jesus into our lives. You must have heard people talk about that, you know, he's knocking on the door of your heart and will you open up your heart and let him in? But actually, it's just as much about Jesus inviting you into his life don't tend to think of it that way do we we think of it much more Jesus wants to come into my life will I open the door but actually Jesus is standing with an open door and saying I'm inviting you to come into my life I'm inviting you to immerse your life into my life so he says them in us as well as saying me in them yeah So we need to think about it both ways, that you're not just, because if we only think about inviting Jesus into my life, the danger is, is that we kind of think of, it's my life, and I'm just going to go on living it, only now I've got a special helper to help me get everything that I want, and to help me have the kind of life that I want to have, or to bless me in all kinds of different ways and sometimes he might tell me that I've got to do a few things differently and okay, I'll kind of put up with that if I still get the blessings but, but actually, what an incredible thought that God Almighty, who is perfectly expressed in Jesus says you can come and enter into my life that you can partake, you can participate you can share in the life of God You can have fellowship with God himself. When you have fellowship with God, it's not about hanging out and having a cup of tea and coffee with Jesus. When you have fellowship with God, you share, another way the Bible puts it, is you participate in the life of God. Another word that we use is communion you have communion, you have fellowship, you participate, you enter into the life of God. That's why we call the bread and wine communion because it's a sharing in his life. How committed are you, how committed am I to immersing my life into the life of Jesus? Yeah? So think of baptism for a moment, because that immersion image is a good one. Imagine the water as the life of Jesus. I know this is kind of going against the normal symbolism, because we think of it as into the water, that's the grave, and then we come up again. But just imagine, because we talk about baptism in the Holy Spirit, don't we? The Holy Spirit, God himself. We're talking about being immersed into the life of God himself. So that your whole life is surrounded and filled with to overflowing, totally consumed with the life of God Himself. So look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3 and verses 1 to 4 says this. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So you, as a Christian, you die to your old way of life and your new life is hidden with Christ in God. But here's the deal. Your life is hidden with Christ in God, but everyone else in this room who's made a decision to follow Jesus has their life hidden with Christ in God. So this is what Jesus is praying about in John 17. The reason that we are one is because all of us are in him. All of us find our identity now because we've died to our old way of life and all of us are now finding our true identity hidden with Christ in God. All of us have entered into the life of God. So we're all sharing the same life. All of us have the same life source now. All of us are participating in the same life of God. And that's why we have, not that we have to create fellowship, but we have fellowship. Because we're all sharing the same source of life. We're all sharing in Jesus. All of us are participating in the same wonderful new covenant in Christ's broken body and shed blood all of us are participating in this same love that he shed abroad that's why we're united we don't have to try and create unity we don't have to try and create fellowship actually what we have to do is express and maintain the unity and fellowship that already exists does that make sense We are together. We don't have to try and pretend that we're a family. We don't have to try and build community so that we create something. We are. And I think that changes. If we can get that into our heads, if we can understand the truth, then all we're trying to do is live out the reality of who we already are. We are one people. We are united. We are a community because we all share in the same life In Jesus Christ. So in 1 John, making you look at the scriptures today. I trust we're good with that, right? We like looking at the Bible, don't we? 1 John chapter 1. Listen to this it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at with our hands and have touched which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we've seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. So John is basically saying that, that he and others as witnesses to, as the life, to the life of Jesus have proclaimed that message to those that he's now writing to. He says, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So he's saying, I want you to have fellowship with us. And this is how we'll have fellowship together, because our fellowship, our sharing, is in the life of Jesus Christ. So we might express our sharing of that common life over tea and coffee. We might express that over having a meal together. Those are great ways of expressing that. We might express that by spending time together, caring for one another, encouraging one another, praying for one another in all kinds of different ways. But the fellowship isn't the tea and coffee itself. The fellowship isn't the um, going bowling together or the... The fellowship is the fact that we are sharing the life of Jesus together. And that's why the Bible says, actually, this proper, real, deep-rooted kind of fellowship, you can't have with someone who's not a Christian. You can hang out with them and you can spend time with them. You can have a great time with them. You can have a meaningful sharing of life together with them. But you can't share the life of Jesus in the same way. Until that person decides to own Jesus as their Lord and savior. That's why it's a very special kind of thing that we have with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ because we're not just hanging out, we're not just a social club, we're sharing the life of Jesus Christ by his spirit. To fellowship. We are passionately committed to sharing the life of God in Christ together. I think we might have that. Have you got that on the... When we are devoted to fellowship, we are passionately committed to sharing in the life of God in Christ together. And that's a challenge for us to say, okay, how are we going to do that? How are we as a community right here going to make sure that we devote ourselves to that? That we say, thinking again about that word devoted, I will not let anything get in the way of me sharing in the life of God with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm going to make sure that we share the life of God together that we participate together in the very life of God. We have to be determined to do this. We have to make it our priority. When Jesus prayed in John 17, he referred to us being in him and him being in us. So Jesus is in us by the person of the Spirit, isn't he? So we have to be determined to pursue the life of the Holy Spirit together. That we would be filled together. That we would enjoy his presence together. I know some of you have been recently completing the Host in the Presence course. And, but we have to be determined. We will live the life of God together. We will follow Jesus together. We will see that Jesus says, um, well Paul says, doesn't he, to um, the Colossians. He says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you, Jesus in his church is the hope of glory. We have to be committed. We have to be devoted. We have to say we are going to share in the life of God in Christ together. We're going to pray together. We're going to look at the scriptures together. Interestingly, um, in Ephesians chapter 5, when um, Paul talks about how we can go on being filled with the Holy Spirit he says don't get drunk on wine Ephesians 5 18 onwards don't get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery instead be filled with the Spirit and that be filled is a continuous verb he's saying go on being filled with the Spirit speaking to one another with psalms hymns and songs from the Spirit notice what happens there he says you go on being filled with the Spirit how by interacting with one another By speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. By having fellowship together. By sharing in the life of God in Christ together. Actually, he says, if you want to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit, you have to do it with other people. You need the rest of the body. You need to address one another. He says... um, singing and making music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, and it's still in the continuous tense, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So honoring one another, interacting with one another, sharing your lives together is how we invite more and more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So having fellowship with God... And having fellowship with one another are completely linked together in the Bible. That's how we have fellowship with God. But actually, having fellowship with God is how we have fellowship with one another. And if we have fellowship with one another, then it invites more fellowship with God. So it's like this wonderful virtuous circle. Yeah, And God has created this. God has made this possible. And we have to seek to maintain that together. And that will require practical things, won't it? Just one last scripture to look at with you. Actually, two more. Philippians 2. Philippians 2. It says, this, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, that word is fellowship. If you have any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. See how Paul again says, if you want more of the Spirit... You have to go after it together. You have to honor Christ in one another. You have to recognize that Christ has invested his presence and his life into all of the people around you. And so we have to go after this together. We have to share in the life of Christ together. So we're gonna respond in this moment um, by breaking bread together. But actually, it can't just be, the response to this word can't just be about breaking bread in this moment. But what I want to really challenge us to do is to go away and think practically. To think practically, what do I need to do to pursue more of sharing the life of God in Christ with my brothers and sisters? How can I honour the Christ in one another more? How can I recognise Christ's presence that is made available to me through my brothers and sisters more. What does that look like in practice? How can I build and invest in relationships? Are there particular relationships? Because we know, don't we, in practice, we're not going to have the same level of closeness and relationship with everyone, because that's not possible. But where are the relationships that God is calling me to invest in? How can I help others? How can I help others to pursue more of the life of Christ? So rather than just thinking about how can I have more of Jesus, actually how can I help others in the church to have more of Jesus? How can I support them and encourage them in their following after him? If we're determined that Christ in us would be the hope of glory for Swinton, then how can we pursue more of Christ in our common life together as a community? Okay, so the last scripture is 1 Corinthians 10, and this leads us into the breaking of bread. So this is a response in this moment, but remember, we're asking God, even as we break the bread and we receive it now, we're asking God to challenge us and speak to us about other things we might need to do to pursue to be devoted to our sharing in the life of Christ together. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17 says this. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks A participation, a communion, a fellowship in the blood of Christ. And it's not the bread we break, a participation. Again, a fellowship, a communion in the body of Christ. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share in the one loaf. It was one loaf, it's been cut up. Um, But it was one loaf. We all share in the same life. So as we come to the table today and we share, and this scripture says actually something spiritual takes place, we don't believe it molecularly changes, but we do believe that spiritually we receive the life of Christ as we come to this table. Yeah? So by faith, receive more of the life of Christ into your life today but also recognize as you receive that we are one body because we all share in that same life and allow the holy spirit to challenge us afresh how we're we going to work that out together and how we're we going to devote ourselves and commit ourselves to live in that reality amen amen bless you so um, feel free to come and receive at the table to bless one another if you want to break bits of bread off and share with one another but let's make sure we all come in response um, to the table amen